If you had a math exam, would you spend your time studying another subject? Or would you use all that you have, every living minute that you have, to studying maths? So why, pray tell, as Christians, do we bother ourselves with the occult, witchcraft, rituals, and the secrets of the devil? The truth is, we are so used to having our cake and eating it too. We are dating one person, but our heart still yearns for someone in the past. And so, we are always stalking them on social media, being monitoring spirits. And this is the horrible attitude that we also bring to our relationship with God. Hi, I'm Tembelike and welcome to Utembi Otembayo Godcast. Revelations 12 verse 24 But to the rest of you in Tyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Today we're discussing these videos and testimonies that have been popping up all over social media of people that used to be in the kingdom of darkness, had their come to Jesus moment, and now they're speaking back on all the things that they did while they were working um, in the occult. My thing or my hesitancy with listening to these things has been Should we, as Christians, be consuming this content that perpets itself as revealing the secrets of Satan? What does the Bible say about us knowing so much about the occult? Should we know it? Should we not know it? How much should we know? What should we do with this information? For my discomfort, with watching such testimonies, um, it comes from Second Timothy. Second Timothy four, verse three to four, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. This content of these testimonies is entertaining, right? And in 2 Timothy, he says they want to have their ears tickled. And one thing about being on social media is people will scroll through a video about God's word or um, repentance or repent from your sin or anything that calls them out from doing the, the, the hard thing. But... They're so quick to spend all their time, all their data watching people that were former witches, former warlocks start to divulge all these things that they used to do when they, are in their, when they were in the darkness. So their investment is not in the things of God, but in the things that entertain the flesh. And that's why these videos of former workers of iniquity, Former workers of iniquity, that's why they're trending. 
they do the numbers. And I remember when I saw one of these videos um, that was trending, my husband's question was, are they monetized? Because imagine how much money they'll be making from YouTube, from all the traffic that they're getting from all these people watching. So we've popularized the tabloids of the occult over the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why things like um, the tabloids newspaper that we have here in Harare um, has mostly all this bizarre um, supernatural stuff, but it's never about the miracles that are happening in the church or what people are doing in the church or the movement of Christ. But the platform that the world is giving to worldly things um, is mostly about the occult. People will argue that these testimonies have also driven them to pray more and to seek God more. But why is fear your main driving force for you to seek God as your heavenly father? Is that how God wanted us to build a relationship with him based on fear? I don't think so. And currently, we know more about witchcraft and the devil's secrets than we do about God and his promises to us. We are so quick to say, um, oh, the money rituals, oh, the Illuminati, oh, Ningi Aromba, oh, such and such made a sacrifice to have the money that they have. But if I were to say to you, name all the promises that God made to Abraham, can you? Do you know who was the oldest person in the Bible? What was Tamar? What is the story of Tamar in the Bible? We don't know these things, but we know all the symbolism from Illuminati and which artists are in the Illuminati. And we spend all day being the accuser of the brethren. But we don't know much about the word of God, which we are supposed to know. So my question becomes, these testimonies that we are getting, where are they coming from? What is their source? Should we trust them? Are they credible? Because the Bible tells us. 1 John 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. The Bible warns us that there will be many false prophets that will go out into the world. Where do we think they are? Are we under the assumption that they're going to come out into the world written false prophets across their foreheads? By no means, because it says they'll be disguised as wolves in sheep clothing. So they will look like the light, but in fact, they will be far from it. The problem is we are double-minded. We are in a relationship with God, but we keep talking about what our ex is doing, what he did, instead of building a relationship with the lover of our souls. No man can serve two masters. We serve a jealous God who wants us all to himself. We can't be in a serious relationship with God and still be shopping around for what else is out there. 2 Corinthians 11 Verse 2 to 3. I am jealous over you 
with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent begilded Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Verse 12. But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. As we have just heard in verse 12, the part that stuck out for me was, but what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. In this verse, it's just basically saying that we're giving, we shouldn't give a platform to those that shouldn't have a platform, but would like to share a platform with us right? It means that when you have an opportunity to talk to your co-worker or whoever that you speak to about watching these testimonies, what you should be saying is, oh, did you hear? Uh, this is the witchcraft. This is how far they went. They were utilizing this, that, and the other. What That opportunity that you have to speak to someone else, you should be using that opportunity to talk about Jesus Christ, the love of Christ, the gift of repentance, God's grace, God's mercy, God's salvation. But if we have been given an opportunity to speak to someone and what we are speaking of is not the things that we want, are we not testifying amiss? We were warned in Matthew about voracious wolves that are going to come in and be amongst us. And as we continue amplifying the works of darkness as children of light, do you see the disconnect there? There comes a problem. Matthew says, Matthew 7, verse 15 to 16. Christ said, Watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are voracious wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. My question is simple. What is the fruit of these testimonies? Once you have heard this testimony, what do you do with it? How does it make you feel? If you were to go your whole life without ever having have heard this testimony from ex-warlock, ex-witches, would you, how would your life be impacted? How different would your life be? True testimonies, as we are instructed to have in the Bible, are supposed to bring people to Christ. They must encourage us to pursue Christ. I was watching a sermon this past Sunday, and he was just basically preaching about the waiting period. And one of the things that he said you must do during the waiting period is that you must seek out people that have testimonies of the thing that you're hoping for. And his example was, if 
you're hoping for a child to give birth to a child and you're older, you must be reading up on stories like Sarah's story. Not only Sarah's story, but also with women in the church that can testify that, hey, I also struggled with um, fertility issues and God did it for me at 50 years of age. That's when I had my first child. So testimonies are meant to encourage, basically bring about good feelings inside of you. That is the fruit. So these testimonies from ex-witches and ex-warlocks, what kind of fruit are they planting? What kind of seeds are they planting into your life? What kind of fruits are they bearing? Tangible fruits that we can see because the Bible says, we will recognize them by their fruit. What is the fruit of these testimonies? And you're probably wondering, are people not allowed to share their testimonies? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we need to pray for discernment in regards to what kind of testimonies we take in as the body of Christ. Because some of these videos can be perceived as advertising for the darkness because not every single person who's going to watch these videos is going to say what a great thing Jesus did but there's people that are going to watch that video and say oh so that is possible if I go to the dark side I am able to do this and the other and I'm willing to try that one of the things that I've come to understand is those spammers that we find in our Facebook posts that are pushing rings for money making and rats and all that stuff, they always have engagement on that post. They keep doing that because it's bearing them fruit. They know that if they post that thing, there's someone who's going to reach out to them on WhatsApp and say they're interested in those services. But as we are hearing these testimonies, we need to ask ourselves, where are these testimonies coming from? Is it from God or is it from not God? <laughs> and so you're probably wondering, how do I know if it's from God or not? And we have our answer in John. John 10, verse 27 to 28. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. To hear God's voice, you need to read God's word. That's how you start to learn who God is and what God sounds like. I have lived with my husband long enough that if he were to call me on the phone and say something that's completely out of character, or something that's weird, I'd be quick to pick up on it that mm, something is wrong. Maybe he's been taken. So there are things that he can say that will be out of character and I'll automatically pick up as his wife to say, that's not my husband. That's not an instruction um, that my husband would give me. That's not the type of thing my husband would say. But I can only know what is not of my husband's character if I know my husband's character. I hope it's making sense. So we need to know the word of God for ourselves. We need to study it, know it, 
live it, confess it. The Bible says we must hold every thought captive to the word of God. When you've heard those testimonies, take them back to the word of God to say, what does God say about this issue? Many Christians know what is sin and what isn't, but don't know the scripture that backs it up. The devil knows the Bible more than we do. He quoted it to Jesus. He has to know it so that he can find the loopholes with which to trap us with. If he can convince us to go after his secrets instead of God's word, then he has distracted us successfully. There's only one thing that we are called to know through and through. Joshua 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. I love God so much. Um, the reason why I say this is because his instructions come with a promise. They come with the promise. They come with the reward. If, he, if this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, you shall meditate on it day and night. The reward is, for then, will, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So now I want to ask you another question. Now that you know the devil's secrets, and then what? What will you do with them? When you get thwarted in the middle of the night by spiritual warfare, what can the devil's secrets help you with? Can you then say to the demon, no, stop, I have secrets, and start blackmailing the demon? No. Does the Bible offer any benefits to being well-versed about the devil's secrets? Do you earn any brownie points towards salvation? Do the secrets edify you in any way? You don't have to answer me right now. The problem is, it feels like it's a right thing to do, to know all these testimonies so that you can know what to watch out for. But there's an error when we start to lean on our own understanding. And that's why the Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. Because Proverbs 14, verse 12 to 16. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and the good man shall be satisfied from himself. The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil but the fool rageth and is confident. Did you hear that? Did you catch that in the spirit? The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. It's just basically the prudent man minds his own business <laughs> and doesn't go about believing every word that comes out from every single place talking about, hey, this is what happened and whatever and whatever. What you need to understand with most of these testimonies is that 
if you look at the time of a complete one, it's like you're hearing more about the devil's secrets and then the Jesus part or God came through for me or Jesus saved me is like a byline, like an afterthought, like after three hours of listening to a thing and then in the last five seconds, they're like, and then God saved my life to God be the glory, like the end of a Nigerian movie. (laughs) But the devil has always been a liar. Why do we take anything at face value now? Genesis 3 verse 4 to 5. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Our fixation with knowing good and evil comes from way back, clearly. And I'm inclined to believe that humans weren't meant to know some of these things. Why else weren't they allowed to eat from the tree? You need to be cautious when the enemy offers you something because it's never for nothing. The Bible says he only came to kill, steal, and destroy. You need to watch the kind of things and the teachings that you're exposed to because he comes to only sow tears among the wheat. John 8 verse 44 You are of your father the devil and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The tricky thing about dealing with liars is that it's hard to do the admin of verifying every single thing that they say. If you've ever been around a pathological liar, you know how tiring it is trying to decipher if they are lying or not. I'll just write them off and assume every single thing that they say is a lie. Here, I don't have to assume. I am told plain and simple that no truth is in him. Do you know who the truth is? John 14 verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no back door or bribe that can get us into heaven. There is only one way. The deep things of the darkness are not listed as part of the way into heaven. So why are we enamored with the occult and the things of darkness? You might be thinking, I'm not involved. I don't watch these testimonies. But this message is also for those who are addicted to true crime podcasts and murder mysteries. Why do you concern yourself with these things? The Bible says that we should only concern ourselves with good things. Philippians 4 verse 8 Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The way these testimonies are trending, they are shocking. You can't help but want to share the links with someone else so that they may also hear how dark the darkness is. But there is only one thing that is allowed to take up mental real estate in our minds. Psalms 1 verse 2 But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. 
I've always wondered, and this is a personal issue for me, like it's a genuine holy fear for me, right? How people will find themselves in a position where Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. And I've and the answer I've come to is, it's because we are so caught up and distracted by everything else so much that we don't have time to build a genuine relationship with him. Hosea 4 verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. I know there's someone out there that's saying, but Timby, this verse says, um, we perish due to lack of knowledge. We need this knowledge. No, the knowledge that is being addressed in this verse is not the knowledge of the devil's secrets. Knowing God means knowing his word. When you get into a relationship with someone, you have to get to know them first. How do you love someone that you don't know? The Bible says before marriage, people concern themselves with the things of God. And once they are married, they concern themselves with the things of how to please their spouses. Nothing at all about the ways of the evil one. We need to bring back our focus to God and his ways. This means disregarding every other schools of thought that aren't of God. Ephesians 4 verse 14 That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slay of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into all things, which is the head, evil Christ. When God wants you to know something, he will reveal it to you himself. Matthew 16 verse 17 And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bajona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And the beauty of God's revelation is that you can't be confused, neither will you negotiate with it. You will have no doubts in your mind. It sits in the deepest part of you as truth, and you absolutely will not be shaken from it. I have come to understand that God operates on a need-to-know basis. You don't know some things because you don't need to know them. But the Bible says, should you require wisdom, God says, ask and he will give it to you. In Jeremiah 33 verse 3, he says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. As we conclude this message, I just want you to think back honestly because no one is watching inside your heart, deep within your heart and start to think back every time whether it was a TikTok, whether it was on Facebook, whether it was on YouTube, when you saw a testimony from someone who had come out from the kingdom of darkness into the light, how did that make you feel? That's it. How did that make you feel inside? What kind of emotions came out and just be honest with yourself and you never have to tell me about it but all I want you to do is to just think about it and our last closing scripture reads Galatians 3 verse 1 O foolish Galatians 
who hath bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth, crucified among you? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we come to you today to repent for any unsound doctrine that we have given attention to. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to start to erase this unsound doctrine, doctrine from our memories and for our mind, from our minds. We tap into the word of God where Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will bring back into your remembrance. And we ask, Father, that the Holy Spirit can start to bring back into our remembrance the word of God. We cast down every vain imagining or every vain thought that tries to rise again, that tries to raise itself against the word of God in our minds. We ask that the spirit of truth come upon us in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask, Lord, that we may be drawn to the things of God, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask, Father, that today you may start a new thing within us, that you may create a new right spirit within, that you may create an appetite for the things of God, to create an appetite for prayer, to create an appetite for knowing and seeking the heart of God. Father, help us to seek you while you can still be found. Father, help us to discern the truth from the lie. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Father, for everything that you have done, everything that you are doing, and everything that you will do in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we pray. Amen. It is Musa. I love you very much. And God bless you. In Jesus' name, Amen. <laughs>